0: And welcome to mini episode forty-four of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? I've got two spooky listener tales for you today. Are you ready?
1: Never ready for this stuff that freaks me out, sends me running scared.
0: And our first story today comes from Alex. This story is completely unbelievable, but I can assure you that it is one hundred percent true. I have about five other witnesses as well, not including my staff. I'll start from the beginning. I got a job as an overnight care worker at a child group home. I was actually really excited because I got to work with kids between the ages of 13 to 18. My manager at the time gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to come in and tour the house the day before my actual shift and meet the kids. I agreed in the hopes that it would make my first day less stressful. It was my first time working with kids with minor intellectual disabilities and I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. All the kids in the home were high functioning and completely independent and just needed more help than others. It was my last day of training so I told them I'd get there about 9 o'clock at night. When 9 o'clock came around I headed over to the group home and I parked outside on the curb. I was greeted by a staff member and the manager and they walked me around the perimeter of the house. It was truly the ugliest looking house I've ever seen and anyone who saw it agreed. It was a green colour, the colour we'd describe as puke green. The garage was red and so was the front door. I proceeded to follow the manager inside and as soon as I walked through the front door I felt this heaviness wash over me. I dismissed this as being nervous for this was the first time that I was going to meet these new kids. He walked me through the house which was a bit grungy but slightly pleasant. There was a huge open front living room to the right as soon as you walked through the door with a little step down. In front of that was the dining room, then a high arch that led into the kitchen. I couldn't shake this feeling going down the long hallway, it got heavier and heavier and I still dismissed it as anxiety or nerves. The first room to the left which was meant to be an office was the eldest kid's room. The manager explained that he doesn't sleep on his bed anymore, so you'll see him on the floor or in the living room and that that's okay. I didn't ask questions and he led me further down the hall. The hall was an L shape, so looking down the hall, there was one room to the right, which was the master bedroom, and then you turned down the hallway and there was a bathroom and a tiny blue room, the garage and another room. Standing in the master bedroom, I let my manager know that it was a bit muggy. He told me that it's actually not. It was just heavy and it's completely normal for people to feel that around here. He turned back to me, about to say one more thing, when there were three knocks that we heard coming from the bathroom. It did startle me, but I wasn't terrified. We wrapped up the tour and I went home. The very next night at around 6pm I had to go to work. I went inside and I met one of the staff and they walked me through the medication in the books. The manager arrived about an hour after, and he just continued to explain things that needed to be done for the night, and then he started to mention weird noises and weird occurrences. He told me that it wasn't to freak me out, but it was just to inform me that sometimes weird things happened. He was kind enough to tell me that if I got scared, I could call him at any time and he would come and sit with me for the night. Paranormal things don't really scare me, so I said, it's okay, I'll be fine, and everybody left. In all honesty, I wasn't expecting to work my first night alone. I was a bit creeped out, just because the heaviness was still there. The kid that I was watching was asleep, and I stayed in the office. There wasn't much for me to do, so I got on the computer and started watching YouTube. At around 8pm, I heard the sound of footsteps coming up the hallway. I thought maybe the kid had woken up. So I got up to check. I walked down to the living room and he was still fast asleep. I shrugged it off and went back to the office minutes later. And as I'm sitting there, I heard three knocks in the same place that I had heard it before behind me. I ignored it. And again, three knocks. And as someone who knows and believes in the paranormal, I don't take this stuff lightly. I grabbed everything I needed for the night and I moved myself into the living room. I made it through the night. A few noises here and there but nothing major happened. In the morning I worked up a conversation with this kid I was watching and I ended up asking the kid why he didn't sleep in his room. And he softly responded, I don't like it when my bed shakes. I asked him why he thought his bed shook and he responded with, The people in my room like to mess with me. I dropped the conversation quickly, knowing that it was making him uncomfortable. On night two, I came in early. I set myself up in the living room again. I kept every light on. The heavy feeling still lingered in the air. At around midnight, I was sitting on the couch. The kid was already asleep, and I was on the phone with my friend. I was talking about the bad feeling I had, like someone was watching me. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a shadow move, from the kitchen into the other living room. I stood up and my friend on the phone asked me what was wrong. I explained what I saw and I decided to sit in the backyard and smoke a cigarette. I was watching the house from the outside. Every light was on so I could see every room on the back side of the house. As I was looking into the office from afar, I saw a black mass move from the office to the living room to the kitchen and then disappear. At this point, I was so scared I was shaking. I had never seen something like that before so I called my manager and I told him what I saw he came by for a while because both our main concerns were that someone may have been inside the house while my manager and I were talking in the front yard we heard a door open and we heard a slamming sound we went inside to find most of the cabinets open in the kitchen and some dishes on the ground he helped me clean up and then he left at around 4am Night 3 was by far the worst and the scariest thing I've ever experienced. I'll skip through all the weird noises, bangs and knocks to the biggest thing that happened. Throughout the weekend I'd been telling my roommate everything that was going on at work because I was truly thinking about quitting. It was 2.50am in the morning. I remember exactly because I was always more afraid between 2am and 4am so I'd call a friend and they would sit on the phone with me. I remember I had just hung up the phone when I heard on the opposite side of the house the sound of a door handle being hit, like as if someone didn't have the ability to turn the doorknob. I always kept the front door and the back door open. I admit, I became a big-ass baby to the point I couldn't be in enclosed spaces. Instantly when I heard this I stood up. My heart began to race and I could feel my legs shaking. I was in fight-or-flight mode but not just because the sound of the doorknob it was the sound that came afterwards it was wet feet walking down the hallway I listened closer and it got faster I could hear whatever it was running at me I ran through the house and it kept coming I ran out the front door into the yard and I could still hear it All I could think about was this kid on the couch and when the sound was right at the frame of the door it just stopped. The door before my eyes started to close. I couldn't let the door shut so I stopped it saying no. This is my house and I have the power. You don't. I'm absolutely terrified at this point so it might not make any sense and it probably sounds really silly. As soon as I turned round, the door slammed shut and shook the whole house. All the while, this kid did not wake up. For weeks, I had friends stopping by in the middle of the night to sit with me. A few times, I'd been locked out on shift, stuff thrown at me, sounds, doors shutting. My friends on site witnessed it, and I still kept working there. Eventually, another staff at night was added with me, and it was less frightening but I have two more things to this to conclude my time at this job. I was working a shift for the first time with another member of staff and sometime in the middle of the night I became very ill. I was vomiting and really pale and it came on really suddenly. I didn't have a car at the time and didn't work too far from home. I told the staff that I didn't feel well and I let the manager know that I was going to walk home. On the way home I felt like I was tripping, the street was melting and the moon was stretching and I felt like I was dying. I can promise and say that I don't do any drugs. Upon arriving home I opened my front door. My dog was about to approach me and to my surprise he began growling at me and took a few steps away from me. I didn't pay much attention because I was so sick, so I headed to bed. I had a dream of my bedroom door and in the dream I heard three knocks and then the door opened I floated out of my bed and walked down the hall and the hall got longer and longer and longer when I turned around I saw someone and I woke up I was still really sick and I was sitting in the living room with my dog still avoiding me barely even coming inside during that time my friend awoke to see me home and was shocked to see that something was wrong He instantly had a feeling that something was attached to me. He saged the home and said some prayers and immediately I felt better and the dog approached me. I didn't work many night shifts anymore. I ended up getting promoted to manager after the other manager got fired. I was excited but needed to work one last overnight shift. I went in like every other night and camped out in the front living room like I did most nights. I swear I was not tired. And I swear I did not fall asleep. I was lying on the sofa with my legs up, shoes kicked off, watching YouTube on my phone. Suddenly, my hands were across my chest and my phone was on the floor and I couldn't move. My eyes were focused on the dark hallway and all I could do was move my eyes. Frozen, I tried screaming for help, but no sound was coming out. I looked down at my feet and the blanket draped across me and I watched it fly off across the room. In that moment, I panicked, and my whole body began vibrating. Instantly, a staff member shook me out of it. He told me I was screaming. Later, he told me that my screaming didn't wake him up. A deep growl in his ear did. I never worked overnight shifts again. I only ever worked day shifts after that. Soon after, I quit... Because I felt my mental health was being affected. Since quitting I've not gone back to the house. I don't think I believe in possessions, but I do believe in attachments, and I also believe in negative energy. This group home that I worked in was a sad, depressing, and very much energy draining place.
1: There's too much crazy stuff going on in that place for me. Imagine them wet footsteps running at you. No
0: That is a nightmare. No. That is a nightmare
1: no I'm not feeling that and it's just the knocking and what the boy said very sort of matter-of-factly about the fact that he doesn't like his bed shaking because the people in his room like to mess with him I wouldn't have lasted one night mate I say you did a good job to make it as long as you did
0: yeah fair play to you for going back for and especially after the manager saying just so you know weird things happen so don't be afraid give me a call if you need me fuck me If anything happened in that house, I'd be like, giving him a ring every time. You better come down here and sit with me and hold my hand because I am shitting myself.
1: And I'm not making aspersions against his character, but the way that Alex has written this story would suggest that the manager comes across quite odd in that he's a bit shifty when when he's walking around, leading them around, and he kind of goes to tell him something and then changes the subject. It's like, what are you hiding, mate? What are you hiding?
0: Well, who knows? Mm. I mean, he went on to get fired, so who knows? Yeah,
1: I don't I don't like the house. I don't like the house. I, I just want to say, well done to you, Alex, for lasting, as long as you did.
0: I think when we talk about things like poltergeist activity, for example, they do say, they being the paranormal experts of the world, like Zach Bagans, that that kind of energy is drawn to teenage energy. Mm. And if you're in a group home for teenagers, it's going to be full of... Teenage energy Teenage angst All that teenage angst All of that My Chemical Romance Energy Draws in those spirits
2: Head over to Hulu This March Where our new shows And movies Will keep you streaming All month long Catch the award winning Movie Poor Things Starring Emma Stone Mark Ruffalo And Willem Dafoe Check out the new Documentary Freak The Wildest Party Never Told
3: to find out if it's right for you. And our second story today comes
0: from Ashley. My family's always been a bit odd, but it seems to be a mutual understanding among the elders in the group that we just don't talk about it. I remember growing up, my mother and grandmother being hyper aware of image and what our small rural Midwest town might think of us. My grandmother had been and still is very involved in the Catholic church I grew up attending. My mom only recently conceded that a few of us have certain abilities. She still doesn't talk about them openly, but she will interact with me if I initiate the conversation. I personally think these gifts come from my maternal grandfather's side of the family. I've always been very close to my grandfather. I grew up in a house up the block from my grandparents and my grandfather worked as a mechanic at the garage next to my daycare, so he would bring me home every day. He or my grandmother would change out little golden books for me to skim through, or look at pictures as we rode home, because Lord knows I could talk his ear off. He and my grandmother raised five girls, so they had patience for miles. We lost Grandpa two years ago, as of February the 16th, and he had been buried on my birthday a week later. I live in New England now and couldn't take the time off to travel home for the service. There was a service before the burial where a cork board full of family photos were set around the room. I think there had been four boards up front that had photos of existing relatives attached to it. During the service, one lone photo fell off the board. My stepfather turns to my mom and says, ''There goes Ashley.'' My mom immediately called bullshit but she admitted that she knew when it fell. After the service, they went to retrieve my photo that had fallen. I continued to feel my grandfather with me. I'd been to a retreat revolving around conscious creation and personal sovereignty. Three was us were seated around the dining table talking when I looked up. And sitting across the table from me was a very vibrant younger version of my grandfather. I almost didn't recognise him. It was so wild, he looked strong and a bit ornery which he was known for boy was he a riot we made eye contact and I smiled he smiled back and the friend to my left asks you can see him too can't you I simply nodded and went back to drinking my tea most of us in the retreat were quite sensitive so it wasn't a big deal and we carried on our conversation grandpa was a huge factor in me getting the car that I'm currently driving to I had totaled my Prius and had been in immediate need of a new car. I had three days to find one. After frantically searching, I came across a Buick that I've secretly loved for years, but never thought I'd be able to afford. It should be noted that Buick was my grandfather's go-to vehicle of choice. With that in mind, the night before I went to look at it, I asked for some type of sign that this process wouldn't be as horrendous as I was anticipating. The entire ordeal of buying a car is incredibly daunting and heart-crushing at times. That evening as I was getting comfortable, I felt like I was being tucked into bed. The blankets were being snuggled in around me like a comfy cocoon and a deep sense of peace washed over me. I did end up buying the car the next day. And sitting in the back seat was a single dime. Of course, this is most likely a case of confirmation bias. But dimes have been a primary form of communication before. In fact, a dime had come flying through my dining room screen window a few summers ago to land in front of my phone that i was charging on the windowsill my window looks out onto my front deck that's a good 25 feet off the ground and i have no idea where it could have come from as i stated earlier acknowledging that i had a connection to spirit or paranormal occurrences as a child wasn't ever corroborated until a few years ago i grew up kind of fearful of the things i experienced instead of trying to understand them And all of that changed when I learned how to journey. A few years ago, I was struggling with anxiety and varying degrees of OCD. Something was missing. I was getting it, though I had no idea of what it was. I felt so overstimulated and I could hear so much extra stuff. Like really minute shifts in frequency and energetic fluctuations. I was hypersensitive. I decided to reach out to a counsellor who might be able to point me in the right direction as far as finding a specialist is concerned. Autism does run in the family and I wanted a full psych and neuro workup. Turns out nobody could find anything atypical about me other than I'm hyper aware and hypersensitive. I went back to meeting with the counsellor and we designed a treatment plan. I was able to pinpoint that my biggest issue was not being able to trust myself. Coming from an abusive background, I could make parallels that made sense. So how do I build that confidence again? In an act of defiance, I decided to connect deeper with spirit. Not in a religious sense, but a very basic, intuitive kind of way. And this is where I found shamanic journeying. And this has changed my life. To journey is to achieve an altered state of consciousness to produce vivid visions. It wasn't long after starting to develop this skill that strange things started to happen. I would wake up at either 1.15am or 3.15am several times a week. Not long after that, the hooded figure began to make an appearance. It would stand in front of my bedroom door and just watch me. The green light from the smoke alarm would be skewed a bit so I could clearly see the outline of this person. At first I would ignore it. I would roll over onto my side and go back to sleep. Then I might wake up and it would be kneeling at the side of my bed, almost daring me to keep ignoring it. I would begin to feel the blankets around me be slightly rearranged or tucked around my legs. There had been a few times that I'd feel my hair being smoothed back over the top of my head, or away from my face, or even my face being caressed right along my cheekbone. I finally got fed up with being woken up and would tell her to leave. I didn't ever feel threatened until I really tried to get rid of it in a rather rude way I suppose. I got in touch with a witchy friend who owns an apothecary and asked what I was supposed to do. She instructed me on how to communicate with it better and I had mentioned planning on doing a smoke cleansing. I went home and used sage to smoke up my kitchen, living room, dining room and bathroom. When I got to the bedroom the herbs wouldn't stay lit. I started to feel really uncomfortable like someone was right pissed with me and I was doing something I shouldn't. I had Palo Santo available as well and decided to try it. Again went through the entire apartment but the stick wouldn't stay lit when I got to my bedroom. I remember thinking if I'm not supposed to be cleansing in here something will happen to make it obvious. And not even two seconds later the smoke alarm chirps three times and it doesn't make another sound for the rest of the night. That evening I had an out-of-body experience. I was sitting above my head where my window would be at the top of my bed, looking down on myself. The hooded figure approached the bed and began to strangle my body. I immediately panicked and woke myself up. It was so bizarre. The next day I came home from work and pretty much made the announcement, Look, I'll do what I can to help you, but you need to not be a dick. (laughs) I'll do what I can on my time. You've already been here for months and you can wait a bit longer. That evening, I set myself up to journey with the intention of meeting with whomever this entity was. I hadn't felt uncomfortable around it until I started trying to actively get rid of it. So I figured it wasn't actually malicious and I already had spiritual safeguards in place to protect me anyway. I used sound gateways to put my brain into the appropriate theta pattern to hit optimal vision so I found the longest recording I could. It was almost 11pm and I'm sure my neighbours wouldn't have appreciated drumming. The transition was insanely smooth and before I knew it I was standing in front of a glass panelled greenhouse with a wrought iron table in front. There was a woman standing by the table in a long black Victorian morning gown. What I thought was a hood was actually a veil. We sat and had tea and chatted for a while. I don't recall what we discussed, but I know we had our own coded language using colours to mean certain things. Now that I think about it, flowers and their colours had their own language at one point. Perhaps that's the kind of communication I'm remembering. When I came out of the journey, it was 1.59am. I was shocked at the time, but it was clear that the communication had been successful. The atmosphere in the apartment shifted to peace and tranquillity, instead of the agitated hostility of being ignored. It wasn't until a few months ago that I realised this woman had been connected to a past life version of myself. I was at a training circle with my teachers being instructed on how to observe past lives. One of my past lives had been of a textile merchant somewhere in the British Isles, who was returning to his familial home to visit his sister. The house that he returned to was the same one that I saw across the yard from the glass-panelled greenhouse. I guess it made sense that she would seek out somebody familiar. I'm just insanely grateful that I had the knowledge to help her move on.
1: Another person that is very comfortable with their sensitivities, which is is good. I know it took took actually a while to get used to it, but she's still very comfortable with it. I just couldn't deal with having that level of sensitivity. It would just freak me out. Just seeing people all around and stuff like that.
0: I don't know how anybody handles it. I don't know how you do like shamanic journeying. I just like, I am in awe of people and their abilities. I mean, I can't even concentrate long enough to do a 10 minute meditation. So I don't know how anybody can concentrate long enough to do shamanic journeying because that is impressive. <laughs> yeah,
1: I can see why you think that was impressive knowing your attention span. <laughs> it's a struggle.
0: Every day is a struggle with an attention span like mine.
1: I also like that she saw her granddad in a sort of younger form. Probably not a form that he, she would have remembered him being like when he was alive.
0: And also not the form that he would have died in. No. it's And I guess if you were a big, bold character, then you'd probably want to be seen as the best version of you that might be the youthful mm. version of you. So I think that's quite amazing. And that the person next to her saw it too.
1: Well, maybe he just wouldn't have fitted in if he'd have been an old guy. Like yeah, maybe, maybe this wouldn't have worked in that scenario. So the other people that might have clocked him and just gone, oh he's, you know, he's on another retreat or something or Yeah. Just, whereas if he was old it might not have made sense. So maybe that's why he appeared in that form. But either I mean, way, it's very interesting, I think.
0: It is very interesting. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find more about us on real life Ghost stories podcast.com. You can send in your own stories to Reallife Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com And for $5 a month or $2 a month, you can support us on Patreon and get heaps of extra content. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. And on that note, we shall see you next week.
2: Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe.